Welcome back to another episode of the Men of the House podcast. Have no fear, Daddy-O is here. So, we'll start off by saying, today is Thursday, December 21. Tomorrow is December 22nd. will be my wife and I's 11-year anniversary, so happy anniversary, babe. And we will be, we've been together 17 years, uh, coming up on 18 years in April of 24, so we don't see a lot of that lately anymore, do we? People staying together, um, yeah, it's been a journey, but I guess that's what a union is, love is, is um, to accept that person, love that person, um, good or bad, through thick and thin, and stick it out, and grow, and yeah, it's been quite interesting, um, you know, needless to say, I miss some of our days of when we lived in Austin, and it was just us, and you know, we both worked nights at some points, but you know, sometimes we would just pull the mattress into the living room, sit in front of the TV, go to the library and uh, rent DVDs like The Sopranos, The Wire, certain series because we were too poor to afford many movies at Blockbuster and streaming wasn't a big thing yet. Um, internet wasn't as, wasn't quite as big. As a matter of fact, in that apartment complex, we actually hijacked internet. And uh, when it stopped working, come to find out, I was uh, walking Peanut one day and got interviewed by a news crew. Apparently, at the other end of our building, they had arrested or busted a prostitution ring. So, yeah, I was on the news in Austin for that. Um, but anywho, that's that. And next, just want to offer any apologies to anybody who might have been trying to get in touch with me via social media or anything, um, especially TikTok. I really haven't been on social media much lately, um, specifically TikTok. Um, no, the reason if you listen to last week's episode... Kind of my mental health got hijacked in it, and it continued on, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, you know, not being able to, my sleep was off, everything was just off, so kind of in an effort to readjust, um, I just took a little break from social media, try to get my sleep schedule back on, which it's getting there, um, so yeah, and not only that, some of you guys don't know, some of you might know, but as a child, I got burned really bad, spent a month in a little box in the burn unit um, where my parents couldn't even touch me except through the box, and so I have scarring down the backs of both of my legs from underneath my ass cheeks to um, all the way down to my heels, and that skin, it stretches on my upper hamstring on one side it you can tell the skin texture is different 
and it looks like a waffle. And as I've grown, it's gotten smaller, less divity. But as a kid, like it was Belgian waffle style, deep craters. So um, sometimes when the weather changes, that skin stretches, pulls around my knees and my feet, and it hurts. Um, along with that, I have um, get some inflammation of the sciatic nerve. So all that together just, it puts me in a miserable mood and pretty much destroys any bandwidth I have for anything extra. Um, I can remember as a kid, you know, just almost crying myself to sleep or, you know, my mom would have to give me some Tylenol, put some Bengay or something on my feet, cover them with socks and rub my feet and knees till I was able to fall asleep. So it was pretty bad. And when you couple all those things together, that mental health, um, it was a rough week. And then on top of it, you know, school let out last week for the holidays. And with that, Christmas on the horizon, I'm definitely been Ubering as much as possible. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Got to go out and make some money, which is what I'm going to do after this. But... Um, thankfully, my mother works from home, and she's able to stay with our daughter, so I can go out and work while my wife works as well. So today's episode, we are going to focus on um, doing the right thing, and just tell a couple of stories and kind of end with kind of a story that goes into last week's mental health. And then I'm also going to talk about maybe what I learned from being laid off. So to start off, we're going to start off with a story. And this will kind of be the setup. So when I became a manager <clears throat> at the first location, you know, anytime you're a new manager, you know, I, w I was coming from a non-managerial role into a management role, so that was an adjustment. But typically, whenever you're going into a new role, you got to remember that somebody's leaving that role, um, maybe by choice, maybe not by choice, but either way... You know, you're always in an interesting position when it comes to the staff that are left there. Some people may have loved that manager. Some people may have hated him. Some people might be happy he's gone. Some people are them. Some people might be happy that they're not gone. But either way, you know, you're in this kind of contention with an invisible person. Um, how you do things, what you allow, you know, there's always this kind of getting to know one another period when you're a leader and um, you're trying to lead people, manage people. So, you know, it's always an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I, I think there's always a little tipping point where you can tell you were behind the eight ball at one point and then you're kind of in a better spot and people maybe now trust you, you have a little bit of buy-in. 
And I'm going to tell you what that point kind of was for me, or at least what I think it was. And when it kind of changed the dynamic and doing the right thing kind of became one of the more important caveats within my leadership mantra or what, what I expect. Um, and that's because it's hard to argue with doing the right thing. I mean, the right thing is the right thing. Um, whether it's easy, hard, uh, negatively impacts you in some way or whatever, you'll be able to sleep at night because you did what was right. So one day I'm headed to work and I, as I'm, I, I see this dog running down the road, <clears throat> a little two lane road, it's like a white pit bull. And as I pull into the clinic I managed, pull into a parking spot, I see this white explorer pull up and pull frantically and take up like two or three doctor's parking spots. And I'm like, hey, you can't park there. Like those are the doctor's spots. And that was kind of one of their things was they wanted like the first four spots, the prime parking, which is, you know, it's fine. They work for it. They deserve it. You can make them happy. You can get a little win from the doctors. Then your life's going to be much easier. So anyhow, um, she's like, oh, I'm not parking here permanently. I'm just got to get my dog. And then come zooming past that white dog. And she had kids and whatnot in the back. And so, you know, not 10 minutes before I'm sitting there going like, man, I sure hope nobody hits this dog. Well, let's fast forward. Um, fast forward a couple of weeks, I'm sitting in a meeting and I get a text from one of my lead front desk people. Um, and she says, there's a dead dog laying by the mailbox. Now the mailbox to the facility was, it's not on the highway. It's not, it's kind of like on the property on the very edge next to where the pull-in is that's maybe partially a turning lane and partially not. And she's like, you know, there's a dead dog, yada, yada, yada. You know, what are we going to do? Meanwhile, I'm in a some sort of meeting. I can't get away and I'm trying to solve this through emails and whatnot or text messaging. And, you know, I'm like, okay, let's... Let's call Department of Public Safety, Animal Control, whoever. Um, see if they'll come remove it. Well, they wouldn't because they said the dog's not in the road. It's kind of in your property, kind of not, but it's not in the road. Okay. So our maintenance person's there, and they can't really do much either. They're like, well, you know, we can pick it up and put it in the dumpster. You know, because this was a, it's probably like a 90 pound pit bull mix. And, you know, I could tell from my interaction with my lead that that wasn't necessarily a desirable outcome. You know, that's somebody's dog throwing in the trash or the dumpster, whatever. <clears throat> so, you know, basically the road crew was like, well, if you kick it or move it into the road, then we'll have to come get it. Of course, that's not saying that somebody hasn't already run by and hit it. 
and you know it it just kind of irritated me that there were just no solutions so i said just give me till the end of this meeting and i will take care of it and so essentially what i did was i came came home to the 12 acres where i grew up and at that time i borrowed my grandfather's truck and I went to the location and had another male nurse help me load it into the back of the truck. I brought the dog home to our 12 acres, had our neighbor use his tractor and dig a hole and we buried the dog. And, you know, kind of a couple of things in there was that you know i can remember what led to this decision was you know i have a whole group of people a whole team of people doctors nurses front desk people who they're looking to me for the answer because the dog is out there they don't know what to do i pointed them in the right direction but with no solutions and they're expecting me to do the right thing make the right decision and second, you know, I remember interacting with the lady and seeing that she had children and, you know, knowing that that was their dog. And therefore, I didn't feel comfortable putting it in a dumpster, throwing it out in the road so somebody else would come and handle it. So I made the decision that I'll just pick up the dog myself and take it home and bury it. We got plenty of room. And if I ever saw the lady and her kids again, you know, I would be able to tell them, hey, sorry, your dog did get hit, but, you know, not to worry. There's a place on the 12 acres. I can show you where it's at. It had a proper burial. <clears throat> so... That's what I did, but I could definitely tell when I did that, that it shifted in how the team thought about me, what they thought about me, maybe how they looked at me. And they knew I was always willing to do the right thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters. And when I would hire people, that would be my expectation. And, you know, when someone new started or anytime somebody had a question, you know, my answer was, hey, as long as you do the right thing, the best thing for the patient and the right thing, you'll have no complaints from me because nobody can argue with the right thing. So when in doubt, do the right thing. And it's always going to work out. You know, and on that note, at some point, you know, we had, we would have engagement surveys where your nurses and whatnot, your physicians, um, just like you evaluate your bosses, they evaluate you. And um, I had good employee engagement scores. I was a tier one leader, meaning that I had 
some of the highest engagement scores in the organization, um, meaning that my people thought that I listened to them. I treat them fairly. I include them. So that's probably one of my proudest accomplishments because, you know, they're the people doing the work. You're just kind of the person as a leader, you know, organizing the information and kind of putting the right people in the right places to be successful in whatever that mission is. But, you know, they do all the work, so it's always all about them. But definitely probably one of my proudest accomplishments from that period of my life, that job, and what I was doing at that time. But, you know, this kind of goes back all the way to when I was 17. And I joined the Navy. And, you know, as a kid, I grew up with asthma. And I had pretty much outgrown it. It wasn't terrible, but, you know, typically in the military, it's like if you have any history whatsoever, they kind of disqualify you. And, of course, recruiters, they want to meet their numbers. So they're like, oh, just don't say anything, yada, yada, yada. You know, I passed all my physicals, and I was in the military, so I did make it. But the point is, was that I can remember before I left for boot camp, because I was always kind of instilled with this do-the-right-thing mentality kind of thing from a young age. Um, And I can remember talking to my grandfather, the same one whose truck I borrowed, the same one who passed away several years ago. Um, you know, and I told him, I was like, hey, you know, they asked me, you know, if I had asthma. Or the recruiter told me not to say anything. And, you know, when I go to boot camp, they have this thing called the moment of truth where if you haven't disclosed anything at that time, you can disclose it. And, you know... um, So when we had the moment, you know, my grandfather was like, well, just do the right thing. Um, And whatever happens, happens. So we get there. You have the moment of truth. And, of course, this is going in my head the whole time. And so I'm like, well, here's to nothing. And they were like, all right, here's the moment of truth. And I guess they have some people. And then I, I guess you go over to the side and you can talk to them. You know, maybe you forgot to disclose that you had a felony or an extra misdemeanor or something, although I'm sure you would have discussed that with waivers. But um, I go over and I told the guy, and I was like, hey, I left out on my application that I had asthma as a kid. And the guy, no shit, goes, he's like, you just want to leave. Go get back in fucking line. And that was it. You know, he thought I was lying. I was telling them the truth. So I got back in line and completed boot camp. Had no problems. But, you know, kind of my point is, is that I did the right thing and the guy didn't believe me. And I got to stay and got to do something I always wanted to do. You know, something I wanted to try, something I thought would be challenging. So, yeah. Yeah. 
it works out. And which kind of leads me into the next segment, which is wishing other people would do the right thing. Um, and kind of how this led into last week's mental health and whatnot. Let me take a drink here. But, so, around Thanksgiving, my wife and my daughter and I went out of town, did some shopping, little staycation, because my mom was sick and her and my daughter didn't get to take the girls' trip over Christmas like they were going to. I mean, over Thanksgiving. And, you know... My daughter takes a stuffed animal with her. And we get home and we realize we don't have it. So this is late, 10 o'clock at night or something. I call there and they're like, call back in the morning because housekeeping's not there. I call back the next day and um, I get in touch with somebody and lo and behold, they found it and um, I was like super thankful super appreciative because my daughter was kind of having a meltdown over this special animal that she left and the person's like so we were in Dallas and um, you know my phone number is from the Austin area. And the person's like, well, I'll bring it to you tomorrow. I'm actually going to Austin to get my diploma because I just graduated from UT. And I'm like, well, I'm actually not in Austin and won't be in Austin. And you won't be coming by here because we're somewhere else, you know, if you could mail it. And they're like, sure, we'll go ahead and mail it. And he took down all my information and said, I'll be getting a tracking number. Never, 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 no tracking number, nothing. You know, my daughter's asking me, when's it coming? So then I start calling back and basically get the runaround until eventually... I actually get in touch with a manager. And she's like, oh, I remember you and this whole situation, but no, it's never been found and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, listen, how do you have it last week and you're willing to hand deliver it to me? And now all of a sudden, you never had it. I mean, really? Like, you're a manager and you don't even know what's been going on this whole time. And she's like, well, I'm going to go to housekeeping and look for it. I'll call you back. A day goes by. She never calls back. I'm like, I'll give it to. And then, you know, this is all, you know, this is going on like a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and I'm having the bad mental day last week and kind of as I'm slowly getting over that 
you know, I just get a ton of anxiety about having to call this woman back and go through this runaround, basically, this bullshit scenario. And so I actually file a corporate complaint through like a, you know, a portal thing because it's damn near impossible to talk to anyone these days. So I filled that out, created a case number. As I'm mixing out of that, I see a little chat bubble and decide to chat with somebody live, give them the whole situation, tell them I have a case created and, you know, no, I was not very nice to the person, but I did tell them that, hey, my beef is not with you, it's with this location and these people. Um, you know, and we eventually got a call back and it hasn't fully been resolved. And I don't want to say much more than that, but I will at a later date. But, um, you know, essentially we, we get a call back from somebody from corporate. Um, she left me a message and I made my wife talk to her, call her back because I was super pissed to say the least. Um, and apparently, you know, this person who found it offered to drive it to me, quit, quit their job. And Nobody can get a hold of them. Not the local management, not the corporate. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think of that? I mean, you're an adult and you need to take something from a 10-year-old girl. You took it from my daughter, which is kind of like taking it from me. It's actually a little worse. Um... Yeah. Get a little pissed off just thinking about it. You might even notice the change in my, the tone of my voice. But, <clears throat> you know, I was probably about seven times angrier that day. And just... I wanted to take a potato peeler to this person. But, you know, this anger clouded my judgment. It got in my way. I let it take control. I was on a delivery and I forgot to leave the person their drink. And I was at the next delivery when I realized it. And so all the anger I had immediately turns to guilt and shame. Because um, it's not me. Two, it's easy. It was right in front of me. Um, and three, you know, you just let anger get the best of you. Which is not good. And now you're off your game. And now you're not giving people the service they deserve because 
this person's taking up space in your mind and controlling your emotions. And once I kind of got that instant karma kind of thing going on, I was like, hmm. So I had to make a long delivery, <clears throat> but on that long delivery, on the way back, I stopped, got an extra Dr. Pepper for the person, went by, and dropped off the original Dr. Pepper plus another one that I bought. Knocked on the door, nobody answered. Had a notepad and pen in my car, so I left them a note saying, hey, I'm so sorry um, that I made this mistake, um, but I've stopped and got you an extra fresh Dr. Pepper, you know. And, you know, no, I didn't get a tip. And I didn't deserve one. I got the flat fee. Um, it was my error. I let anger get the best of me. And, you know, I made a mistake. But I also corrected that mistake. You know, with a little interest. Making sure that whatever they had was fresh. Um knocking on the door, even though I was so embarrassed that I had done that. And then also leaving them a note saying, hey, I know I messed up, but, you know, hopefully, you know, like any anyone, anything, hey, I messed up, own it, and let's start moving forward. How can we repair this? Um, you know, so if you're out there listening, I hope you got your Dr. Pepper. Um, but yeah, you know, and that's not the first time. I always try to make sure that that's where the moral compass is pointed. But, um, you know, I haven't always done the right thing. I've made my fair share of mistakes. Um... So I definitely don't want to seem like I'm preaching or, you know, I'm not at fault or to blame, which is kind of why I told the story after. Sure, it's a Dr. Pepper, but, um, you know, to me, it's say this person paid for it. I was getting paid to do a job and um, I made a mistake, but you correct it, whether it's big or small. You know, there's so many things, as long as you're not making mistakes that you can't come back from and you know that's kind of it depends on the situation you know but like when you work in an ER on a team mistakes can cost lives um but you know in other settings whether it's billing correcting an address a phone number all that can be fixed so it's like don't worry about the small stuff Worry about the the stuff you can't fix. All right. <clears throat> Next, moving on. 
kind of into last week's episode of kind of discussing a point where, you know, I felt like a depression come on because I wasn't able to maybe obtain what I felt like I deserved or stuck up for myself and was told, oh, still, it's not enough to get you what you want. And, you know, when I got laid off, um, I mean, you understand with the pandemic and everything, yes, it's business, but that was the first time I'd ever been laid off, fired, or anything, so it's kind of devastating. Um, but also, you know, there was a point in time where I was like, look, I got to get over this. Um, I got to move on. And one of the ways I did that was, you know, it, it's like forgiving, forgiving a person. Um, yes, you do it for the other person, but you do it for yourself so you can move on. And part of my thing was forgiving the organization that laid me off. And how did I do that? Was <clears throat> I thought about all the things I learned in that time period. That's what I got from it. That's what they gave me. Even though some of it was hard, trial by fire, there wasn't a lot of help. There wasn't training on some of it. <laughs> um, you just learn. And I learned a lot. I learned how to run, you know, a business, two separate ones with large budgets, with um, interesting characters. You know, when you speak of physicians and nurses, um, you know, physicians are not the easiest people to manage, um, to get to do things sometimes. Um, but, you know, I look at everything I learned and I'm like, Man, <clears throat> that's what I got. That's what I'm to be thankful for. How can I be thankful of this situation? Um, you know, when you're the person who's responsible for a two single sites that have a multitude of people's departments and things and regulations and you're cut off and you, it, it's kind of like being a homeowner where you gotta, you, you start learning really fast on the fly, like how to diagnose and assess things. Because guess what? If the water cuts off, you can't stop every doctor's appointment and walk in urgencies and whatnot because there's no water. And if you can imagine, um, infection prevention is huge in healthcare settings. So hand-washing has to be there. Um, but there's all kinds of little small things like that that come up all the time. And you, whether it's alarm systems and, you know, we had a fitness center with a pool and there's pumps and all kinds of alarms and outside things. And, you know, when time changes, you got to have the lights outside change so people are safe walking to their cars in the dark. I mean, there's just so much stuff. And, you know, I learned all that from working there. 
And for that, I'm thankful because I know that if I had my own business or somebody wants me to run their business or when it comes to, hey, you got to figure it out, like stopping quitting, you know, stopping clinic, whatever, like you can't just shut it down. Like the show's got to go on. And so you got to figure it out. I mean, one time I can remember sitting in my office doing paperwork and somebody texts me a picture that there's a snake by the front door. What do I do? I go back and I find this thing that looks kind of like a little stick with a lasso on it and I'm going to go out there and wrangle a snake because there's no one else to do it. <laughs> you know, you can't let patients walk by a snake in the front door and this, that, the other. There's no pest control nearby because we're in a more rural area. You just got to figure it out. And uh, lo and behold, I go out there and it's a plastic snake that had fallen from the lights under the awning by the entrance because you don't want uh, birds building nests in the lights underneath your awnings. So, you know, I got lucky it was a plastic snake or maybe the snake got lucky because I was coming out there. Um, and that's a joke. But, you know, the point is, is that there's all kinds of things I did, had to do, learned to do, had to figure out in order to kind of be that person, to be that leader, to be the person that your team thought they could look to. I mean, you know, the fact that I took a biology college course doesn't qualify me to go catch snakes. Um, but that's what you do. You figure it out. Um, you do it. And, you know, when you come across a bad situation or something that wasn't perfect, you got to look at it and go, what did I learn? What, what, what is something that I can get out of that situation that's going to make me better, help me move on, help me in my next position? Um, you know, I got to learn project management by participating in, you know, standardization of, you know, when hospital corporations buy up other ones and they join together and you're trying to you want everybody on the same contract. You want everybody using the same supplies because that gets you buying power. So it's kind of a, you know, one more thing, project management to add to a set of skills that I have. But, um, yeah, you know, someday these skills... Oh, a phone call? Hold oh, one moment. But anyway, one day, you know, these skills will be used for my benefit, something I'm doing, or if somebody needs someone who, you know, I think I have the unteachables, if you will. 
character. I have a master's degree, and that's just proof that I can learn about anything. I can be taught skills and how to do things and concepts and whatnot, but um, I have the things you can't teach. Some of those things that seem to be lacking out there in the world. Um, you know, people unwilling to do the right thing, which is my whole irritation with that hotel. I shouldn't have to file a corporate complaint. I shouldn't have to go that far. Maybe I should have done it sooner. But what just happened to people doing what's right? So, when in doubt, do the right thing. Try to go out, be part of the solution versus part of the problem. And I'll see you guys next time. Peace.